Good morning. For anybody who I've not met before, I'm Deborah. Um, if I've not met you before, then just come and say hello after the service. Now, I have, um, I, yesterday I picked up some glasses. I picked up some very focals from the opticians for the very first time. And um, I, it's freaking me out, it's got to be said. So just give me a moment while I sort of get the right height of everything because um, I might have to change back to my other glasses um, in a minute if it doesn't work. So just give me a second. Brilliant, that's a bit better, that's a bit better. We'll see how it goes. Um, so yeah, um, welcome, welcome to Highgrove. But um, yeah, I'm just going to pray, I'm just going to pray uh, for us for a moment. Lord, uh, I thank you that you are here by your spirit. And um, yeah, that each one of us is seen and heard by you. Lord, will you speak to each one of us in a in a way that is uniquely right for us this morning. Amen. Amen. Um, so last week, uh, Claire Thompson from our Woodlands uh, Central Congregation uh, were, was with us, and um, she was starting our series called The, the Shame Game. Uh, she introduced a topic to us, and it's no coincidence that we are looking at this topic right now, because it provides a really great intro to two uh, events that we are running, two midweek sort of activities that we are running. Um, and, and the first one starts on um, Tuesday, the 7th of November, and it's actually happening uh, at our Woodland Central building. It's the wholeness course. And um, wholeness is a chance to learn how to live uh, in freedom, um, in the freedom that, that Christ brings. And uh, the stories, there's teaching, there's time for reflection, there's prayer ministry, and it's for everyone. Everyone who, uh, if you, if, you know, if particularly if there's things that I talk about this morning that we look at in this, this series that you think, oh, I just, I need, to, I need to look into this a little bit more. I need to deal with some of this stuff a little bit more. Then wholeness is the perfect opportunity to do that. But um, also, if you are a woman, there is an opportunity to take some of the, the wholeness course teaching and to, to go through it in a, just a smaller setting here in the Highgrove building. And it's starting this Thursday. Roz, give us a rave, Roz. There we go. Uh, come and speak to Roz if you want to know any more. Um, Roz is going to be leading us through, leading some, some of the women who sign up on a, on a well-being journey. Um, and I know a number of you have signed up already, but there's still time and there's room for more. So um, speak to Roz uh, if you want to, or to, just to register, go to highgrove.church forward slash wellbeing. Now, to be honest... Um, I did this, uh, agreed to do this talk uh, about shame, and I was a little bit blase. I was like, yeah, be fine, be fine. I was very relaxed, I thought I'd have something to say. And then a couple of weeks ago, I started to sort of look into it a little bit more, and um, I realised I really didn't. I really was not conversant with this topic of shame. Um, it wasn't a word that I was used to using, it wasn't a topic I was used to, to speaking on. And I, to be honest, I've been, been struggling to recognize it in, in, in myself. Um, I've been asking, do, does this, you know, does this topic of shame, does it even apply to me? But I, um, I watched a TED talk uh, by Brenny Brown, uh, and she. Um, 
she is a, uh, a professor who was, who's been, uh, spent decades studying shame. Great topic. Uh, great topic. And she, um, she actually said in, in this TED Talk that psychologists think that the only people who never feel shame are sociopaths. <laughs> which didn't feel like a good alternative for me. Um, but last week, I, I made an appointment uh, to, take, uh, to have a blood test with, with the nurse. And when I got there, the nurse explained that I'd, I'd done it wrong. I'd followed the, the wrong procedure. And I, I hadn't made the appointment in the correct way. And, and I had this sense of embarrassment come over me. I know the nurse, she's going to think I'm a hypochondriac. Uh, she's, I'm going to be judged. How silly of me not to do the right, uh, to follow the rules. And there it was, that sense of shame. And um, so I'm not a sociopath after all. You'll all be glad to hear. Um, and then when I heard last Sunday some of the examples that uh, and indicators of shame that Claire mentioned, I, and I recognised a number of them in the way that I act, the way that I behave, so that that that, those, that feeling of feeling rejected and inadequate and a failure, that that perfectionism tendencies, um, that that. Um, yeah, trying to uh, trying to be hide sometimes, um, and uh, yeah, and I, I recognised some of those. But to be honest, I'm I'm still struggling slightly with this concept of shame, how it all fits uh, together. And you might be here this morning, and you might have similar feelings. You might be thinking, "Oh, I'm not sure, psychic sociopath feelings of shame. Not sure where I fit." Um, if that is you, then you are in good company. So please bear with me because I think there really is something relevant for all of us this morning. So we are going to continue looking at uh, Genesis chapter 3. We looked at it, uh, at this chapter, last week with Claire. And, um, and she said at the time, we don't need to focus on on the whole sort of was Adam and Eve a, a, a particular people that were, you know were they um, was it a particular person uh, and one woman called Adam uh, it called Eve and one man called Adam and what, understand why a snake is talking we don't need to focus on that what we need to focus on is is what it is trying to show us what is the Bible is trying to tell us uh, about our about human nature and our response to God. So last week we read about the serpent convincing Eve to eat the apple in the garden. And it goes on um, to, to say, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And then skipping ahead uh, to verse 20, it says, Adam named his wife Eve because she became the mother of all the living things. You know, that's something already just saying that we have those same inbuilt traits as Eve, uh, just from being human. Then the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. 
And today, we're continuing to think about what those verses tell us about our story and how it applies to our lives and our reactions to the world around us and, and to God. And we saw that when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they realized that they were exposed, they were naked. And there's an innate, an innate sense of vulnerability about being human. It says uh, in, in 1 Peter one, uh, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. To be a human on this earth is to be vulnerable. And when Adam and Eve felt that sense of vulnerability, that shame, what was their reaction? The Bible says they hid. They hid from God. And in their desire to hide, they try to cover themselves, cover their sense of vulnerability. They grabbed the, the fig leaves uh, and to sew together as clothes. But, but leaves don't make good clothes. What is that trying to tell us? And uh, the story's trying to show us about our reaction to shame and vulnerability. Maybe we feel vulnerable when we're criticised. Or when we feel like we've done something, you know, something that we've done hasn't gone as well as we had hoped. Or, or maybe we feel that, that sense of shame when we're fearful of being judged or, or rejected by others. Perhaps it's remembering things that we've done in the past or things that have been done to us. And Adam and Eve grab the nearest thing to them to hide behind. And when something has exposed us and made us that, that, that sense, that raw sense of, I am, I'm not feeling okay, I'm not okay, what is the first thing we turn to? You know, hiding for you might be putting on a tough exterior. Perhaps you were told at some point, no one else is going to look out for you. you. You have to look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Making yourself tough is a common response to feeling vulnerable. So maybe hiding to you looks like keeping others from getting close to us, choosing to be aloof or intimidating. Or, or perhaps it looks like pretending to, to be somebody we're not, trying to be perfect. Or perhaps hiding for you looks like running away or, or keeping quiet, not speaking up in your, in your workplace or in your family. But those fig leaves are our first instincts to defend ourselves. But, but they damage us. Claire said last week uh, that the sap in fig leaves is actually an irritant to our skin. I looked it up. It's true. And um, I just find that fascinating because it indicates that there's a cost to our hiding. We pay the price for our hiding and the people around us pay the price too. There are, there are a number of costs that we we pay when we try to cover ourselves with our own inadequate reactions. Firstly, we, what we hide behind can, can start defining our lives. If anger is our go-to, then we become an angry person. People tiptoe around us. They, they don't want to, us to flare up in anger. And we realize that, realize that the people around us aren't actually being honest with us because they're scared of our anger flaring up. 
We can almost become like a, a cartoon version of ourselves. You know, each one of us is someone who has been made by God with incredible traits and characteristics which are, are totally unique to you. You are amazing. There is no one else like you. You've got nuances and interesting aspects to your character and personalities that no one else has. But when we hide, when we hide behind these defense mechanisms, these amazing aspects of our character disappear a little bit. You know, we become defined by the defense mechanisms. We, we become the, the barking dog, the angry person, or the hedgehog who, who isn't going to shout, but they're just going to be passive aggressive. Um, the toy toys who, who just wants to hide or run away when they feel any sense of vulnerability, or the appeasing cat who just says exactly what they think other people want them to say. And secondly, when we rely on these defense mechanisms, it's like we give a foothold to the enemy. We can open ourselves up to, to spiritually dark places that, that anger and bitterness can take root in our lives. Perhaps we try to, to, to go down escapism to numb our pain. We can get trapped in addiction. It's like a power that can overtake us and we can't stop it. We, can't, we, become, we become trapped. But there's good news. There is good news. And, and we read the first hint of it in our Genesis 3 passage. It says God uh, saw, you know, the, saw the inadequacy of those flimsy, leafy clothes that Adam and Eve uh, tried to cover themselves with. And he provided for them better clothes. It said uh, by killing an animal and using the skin as a covering. And that's a painful moment in, uh, as, as death and entered the garden. Adam Eden for the first time and it's a hint of what's to come in humanity's relationship with God we see later on in the Bible that God appointed this system of animal sacrifice uh, for the Israelites to, to cover their sin and shame but that was again just a hint of of, of what was to come the perfect uh, covering from God when God chose to come to live among us as Jesus the Son of God chose to be born as a baby, the most vulnerable state that we can be in as humans, and then to walk towards the shame of the cross. But why would Jesus do that? Why would God do that for us? The Bible tells us it was for the joy set before him, the joy of setting us free from guilt and shame to make a way for us to be reconciled to God the Father through his own perfect sacrifice. This perfect sacrifice of Jesus provides an adequate covering for us, not an inadequate one, a, a perfect defense to the lies that we hear, whether it's we speak over ourselves or others speak over us or the enemy and what is the right response to our shame? When we recognize that sense of vulnerability, remember that God is the only one who can cover us. We learn to identify and reject the lies that we're believing, the lie that says we're alone and we have to cover up our own 
vulnerability. It's the lie that says we have to defend ourselves from others. The lie that says we have to hide. And instead we choose to believe the truth that we read in the Bible. That through our faith in Jesus, that we can approach God with freedom and confidence. That he will never leave us or forsake us. That he's removed our guilt and our shame. That we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God didn't make a mistake when he designed us. That he created us perfectly for a purpose, a unique purpose that only we can fill. And we can come to Jesus and learn how to trust him to protect us and strengthen us and to rely on him. And we're going to go into communion now. We're going to take communion together as our response to, uh, to all that we've heard. We're going to remember the price that Jesus paid for our sake, to break the cycle of shame and to bring us freedom and to, to put us in right standing with our Father in heaven. So, so let's pray together. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Father God, that you call us out of hiding. Jesus, we remember your death on the cross that says we are valuable to you. That we are so loved that you would die for us. Thank you that you paid the price for our sin and shame and we are covered by your blood. And we're sorry. We're sorry when we doubt you, when we doubt the promises in your word. We choose once again to put our trust in you and you alone.